0: This is the Prosperous Family Podcast, where we explore creative ways of prospering mentally, emotionally, socially, physically, financially, and spiritually. So pull out your notepads, put on your thinking caps, and be open to new ways of approaching your day to day life, new ways of creating prosperity, happiness, joy, peace in your life and in the lives of your family members. Welcome to Prosperous Family Podcast. Hello and welcome. So grateful that you are here listening to our podcast today. We are so blessed to have sabrina mania with sabrina mania health coaching and consulting here for our perspective today and our chat and sabrina let's get started by just telling me and telling our listeners a little bit about you and your family
1: Yeah, so I come from a rather big family, I guess you could say. I have three brothers and one sister. So we were five kids, um, two amazing parents who are still happily married. They're actually celebrating their 40th wedding anniversary in a month. Yeah. So um, I grew up in a really, really happy family. I am the youngest of the five. My sister is the <laughs> oldest and then I've got my three older brothers who always picked on me growing up. Um, and yeah we grew up in a very um, school focused family, a very sporty family. I was a synchronized swimmer I had mm. my brother was a swimmer I had hockey players. my sister was also a swimmer so it was a very very hectic family and I don't know how my mom did it. <laughs>
0: Definitely. When you've got that many people to go that many places in that many directions, that's for yes. sure. And, and it's also, um, I only have a limited exposure to, to swimming, but I, in sports in general, you spend a lot of time, not only practicing, but at meets and things like that. And, um, I, the few t- meets that I remember,
1: aren't they like the lo- day long meets where you have lots of events and they go for hours? Yes. Yeah. My, my parents didn't know what a weekend was, uh, because the <laughs> weekends were either on spent on a pool deck, uh, in a hockey rink. Uh, yes, they are full day. Um, when it comes to my sport, it was full weeks, right? So we would have mm. Monday to Sunday was a competition. So yeah. very long, um, a lot of commitment and dedication to be there all the time. And they wow. were and great. And seeing
0: when nice i swimming, that's one of those that I watch and I go, oh my gracious. I mean, how do you not bump into each other all the time? <laughs> because swimming is so difficult for me to get it, like keep my movements in this little box kind of thing.
1: Mm-hmm. So. It's a really difficult sport. I, I, I don't know if I'm just saying that because I did it, but it, it's a very hard sport.
0: <laughs> awesome. So what got you into it? How did you
1: get so, um So in my community, um, it's a mm-hmm. very aquatic sports-focused community, a lot mm-hmm. of lifeguards. And so everyone I know is either a swimmer, a water polo player, a synchronized swimmer, or a diver. Um, oh, wow. every, yeah, every summer... Um, my family was a member at a summer pool, so we were exposed to all of the aquatic sports. And then most of the okay. time, you kind of choose the one that you prefer, that you're the best at. And then yeah. you do that all year long at a competitive level. So mm. my sport that I went for was synchronized swimming.
0: Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you had a group of people around you. That, that is someone something that I have never known anyone else, actually, that it's done it. I've only watched it from afar. So that would make sense that you would have people who would tell you about it. Oh, uh, yeah. you know, talking about your family really leads to a question that I wanted to ask you because uh, I noticed in, in your bio and the information that you were talking about it, that for you, a prosperous family is one that c- supports growth, success, and achievement. How do you think your parents did that for you?
1: Oh, they um, they were awesome. They really gave everything that they could to us, and they put our needs first and our growth and our success first. So, they put us in sports. Um, they allowed us to follow our passions, even if that meant they didn't have any time for themselves, it, even if that meant no nights and weekends. My mom used to wake up at 5 a.m. to try with my brother to um, swim practice. And he swam up until his last year of university at the University of Toronto. So they really just they gave us everything that we needed if we wanted to follow a certain passion. Um, when it came to school, I wanted to move away. I didn't want to stay in Montreal. And they... Go ahead, do what you need. We'll support you. Um, when I decided that I wanted to start my business, they were my biggest supporters. and oh. and it's I came from a family where no one were, no one was an entrepreneur, no one was a self-starter. <laughs> and so it would have been very easy for them to be skeptical and to have doubts and doubts coming from a place of love, a place mm-hmm. of wanting to keep me safe but they really just they had my back and they pushed me and when you start a business or when you go after any big goal it really the biggest thing the most important thing is that you have belief that you can do it and yeah. having people around you who support you in that journey it's it's incredibly helpful and my my siblings were the same i was really well supported
0: Oh, that's awesome. Congratulations. I mean, that, that is not a perspective that I can share with you <laughs> hmm. that, um, I've had completely the opposite as far as that goes. Oh, no. Well, let me say that slightly differently. My parents were happy to support my entrepreneurial efforts if they were along what they knew, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of, kind of a, a contrast because they, they, they did support us in school, but they also were like not always the get a job um, pushing, but they were also, well, but you have to do what we know works, right? (laughs) So it was still a little bit of that same. Um, But you also mentioned that um, they, it wasn't just pushing you to hit goals, but they actually supported you emotionally to achieve those goals and dreams. Can you give us some perspective on what that means to you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, so one thing that was really scary when I started my business is I was still in university and I was doing my degree in financial math and economics. And I'm now a health coach. I'm now a health coach. Totally. 180, 360. (laughs) Exactly. And so when I sat my parents down in my last year of my degree – and told them that I was going to finish my degree. But when I was done, I wasn't going to pursue anything in that field. I was terrified to tell them. Um, And at first, there was a little bit of a shock. Um, Again, I think it was mostly coming from from love of wanting me to have stability and wanting me to have success in whatever I did and going into something completely unknown was scary for them. Um, Hmm. But once they finally kind of I'm someone who when I set my mind to something, I don't care how long it's going to take. I don't care how much work it's going to take. I'm going to make it work. And I mm-hmm. think that they knew that in me. And so after the initial shock, they they got really interested in what I was doing, why I was doing it. And they wanted to learn about what I was teaching my clients. They wanted, mm-hmm. even if it was something that they didn't know about, it was something that they maybe didn't even understand they were so interested in learning and, and being involved and, and telling other people about what I was doing and having pride. And all of that is, is so important because you probably know as an entrepreneur, it can be a very lonely journey and it can be very difficult. And to be able to have at least someone see how hard you're working and, and support you, it was it was everything.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, not only can it be a lonely road, but the results that you get may or may not always be the financial results. Mm -hmm. You know, in that learning process of entrepreneurship, there's a lot of stumbles and falls, a lot of spots where you, ah, I made no money or almost no money. And, but I learned so much about how I want to do this or don't want to do this. And and those are valuable lessons, but it is it's awesome that they were able to see your efforts. Well, yeah that, that is so important and such an inspiration. Um, I, I also, there are several things in that story that I could like go cool, let's this way, or that way. But, um, but one of them is, you know, I often tell parents that that I coach um, you are going to be challenged by your children's choices. And very often, they're going to choose exactly the opposite of what you will choose just to see if you can trust them enough. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be times and perspectives when you just say, nope, that's not going to work for our family. But um, especially as teenagers and like you said, when you're in university and, and making career choices, that process of trusting is so difficult for many parents. So. Yeah, big, huge kudos to them for for being able to swallow that shock and find the interest. And that that was the other thing, if you don't mind me going on on my tangent. Mm -hmm. Um, In in the sales coaching that I do, one of the things I'm always telling people is to be interested. You know, don't just be there to present what you want to sell, but find out what they need. And then they're more likely to actually either buy from you or find someone for you who would buy from you. Mm-hmm. And so your parents probably really opened the door for that mutual support yeah. and the process by by focusing on being interested and in asking questions and learning about it. So yeah. uh, really cool, really, re- really inspirational. So yeah. let's get into a little bit of what you do as a health coach. Tell us why you... Uh, I mean, if you're in financing and math and so going to health coaching and, and swimming and I mean you could have chosen a lot of different paths than health coaching. So where what brought you there?
1: Yeah, so um I was always really interested in health and fitness. It was something that on my free time I would I was working at Statistics Canada, but I was researching articles on on food and nutrition mm-hmm. and health. Um, but at the time, I had a really unhealthy relationship with food and with fitness. Mm. Um, I, when I graduated from synchronized swimming, I, my biggest fear was gaining weight because mm. it's a sport that basically focuses on how small can you be, how yeah. thin can your legs be. Um, mm. And so I was taught at a very young age that your worth is attached to how small your body is. Mm. Um, if you watch the Olympics those girls don't have a single inch of fat on their bodies. Mm. Um, And it's not, it's not a coincidence. That's part of the culture of the sport. And so when I graduate, when I um, retired from the sport, it was, it consumed me thoughts about how can I shrink my body? How can I make sure I don't gain weight? And so as most people who have ever had an unhealthy relationship with food or who have ever dieted before, it always starts with an initial desire to change the way that your body is is composed looks like weighs so i did what everyone else does which is i started you go online you start dieting you start cutting out carbs you start counting your calories i was eating 1200 calories a day even though Whoa. i was working out 7 days a week i mean it was it was and and at the time as most people who find themselves in an unhealthy relationship with food stuck in the diet culture traps. I mm. thought it was normal. Mm. Um I thought it was I didn't think there was anything wrong with that. I thought I was doing it to be healthy because that's what everyone else was doing. Mm. Um but the more the more you do that, the more it starts affecting the quality of your life. It starts mm. very innocent. It starts with good intentions. I just want to get healthy, right? And the more you do it, the more you actually go against your initial goal of getting healthy because you sacrifice your mental health you sacrifice your social life you sacrifice your physical health um i was very underweight um i was i i was moving from one extreme which was very very strict and dieting and then the other one which was eating everything in sight and no care in the world and my self-esteem was, you know, lower than ever. My social life was worse than ever. So that lasted for about six to eight years of my life.
0: Wow. Now, did, did no one give you some sort of perspective on, hey, maybe you
1: are going a little bit overboard? So that's the thing is I didn't tell anyone. No one... <laughs> no one really no one knew that I was counting my calories no one knew like my family would make jokes like for example I would if we had a family dinner I would put one tiny pearl potato on my plate and my brothers would make a joke like whoa you're eating carbs like it was kind of a running joke but they just thought I was trying to be healthy I was just trying um Again, because it's so commonplace that people don't eat carbs. Or I would do like no desserts January every year. And people would think it would just be like a fun challenge that I was doing for myself. Yeah. Whereas for me in my head, it was to punish myself for how much I had eaten over the holidays.
0: Oh, isn't that interesting? Because, yeah. So obviously you've gone through something to help you get perspective on that. Yeah. Was that health coaching or how did you start saying, oh, this is not just normal. This is actually punishing myself.
1: Yeah. So it happened um, in, I think it was in 2018, 2017, 2018, where I kind of hit my rock bottom Mm -hmm. where I realized this is not healthy. Um, I was Depressed. I was more anxious than ever before. Like going out to the restaurant was not a possibility because I didn't know what they were putting in my food. Um, It Mm was, it really did hit rock bottom. And I realized um, I need to get myself out of this. But at that point, it, it had turned into a sense of control. I could control what I was eating. And the thought of not counting my calories, the thought of not controlling my carbs, the thought of not having control was so scary and I didn't know how to take that step.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I had always wanted to live in Italy. I had always wanted to to take a summer off and go to Italy. But at that time, the reason, the thing that was stopping me from doing it was I was scared to go and to have to eat carbs. And mm. I was scared to go and gain weight. Mm. And when I realized that what was stopping me from having an experience of a lifetime that would be was something I had been thinking about for years was the, the fear of mm. gaining weight, and of having to eat carbs, it was kind of like a like a light went off, of like this is crazy, like this is yeah. this I'm I'm so young and this is no way to live. This is not healthy. To not want to travel, um, most people that I work with, there's so many things they don't do because of the fear of losing control around food of gaining weight Hmm. and so when I realized that it was the most uncomfortable thing to push myself to go anyways and I I knew I needed to because I was so Hmm. scared and I will never forget I lived in an Italian family's home and the day that I got there the grandma looked at me looked at me up and down and went Oh my God, you're so skinny. Let, let's get you some food. And <laughs> right away I was like, oh, this is going to be, this is going to be tough.
0: Um, this is going to challenge your
1: every worry and concern. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was that summer of being exposed to Italian culture. And I traveled to Croatia. I traveled to Spain and it's kind of similar in Europe, where they just eat. They don't count calories. They don't, they're not afraid of carbs. They're not mm. afraid of carbs in Italy. They just listen to their bodies. They mm-hmm. eat when they're hungry and they're stop when they're full and they're eating when they're craving. And they have this relaxed way of eating that doesn't, induce stress and anxiety and it's not the topic of the 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 conversation at the table of who's on which diets like that's not that's not what people are talking Mm -hmm. about that's not what people care about and yet it's one of the healthiest population in the world and so it was being exposed to that different way of life that's so different from western culture that i realized oh there's something to this. There's something. It was that culture shock for me. Yeah,
0: and, and probably not just Western culture, but especially, and this is you know, assumptions, but educated assumptions. Um, living in that perspective uh, or in that uh, community of high achievers, people who are constantly pushing themselves and pushing themselves for for a specific body shape, especially or body image um your your story just reminds me a lot of 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 some things that i do in my training because we talk about how one type of energy and one type of like motivation when gone to an extreme can be unhealthy and can be wrong and and that's totally what you're what you're describing here that they're controlling your life and knowing what's going to happen is actually a good thing to some extent, in moderation, but in the same thing, it, achieving a certain body shape, if that's what makes you feel good, is not necessarily a bad thing, but doing it in a way that causes stress and anxiety. Definitely. And, and
1: I think that's the thing is what I see in 99% of the cases is people will diet, they'll restrict themselves, they'll start an exercise plan. Um, with the end goal of being happy, healthy, and confident. Yeah. And what they don't realize is that everything they're sacrificing in order to get there is their health, happiness, and confidence. And so what Isn't they- Isn't yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, say that
0: again. That one needs to be repeated. There are people. Go ahead.
1: Well, there are people who their end goal when they diet and restrict is to be healthy, happy, and confident- but they sacrifice their health, happiness and confidence trying to get to that goal. And so yeah. what happens is people get to their target weight and they're like, "Well, what what happens now because I'm miserable, I don't feel good, I'm hungry all the time, I'm still not confident." Mm-hmm. What what can I do now? And then mm-hmm. you're on this hamster wheel of, okay, well, I guess if I lose more weight, then I'll start being confident. But what they don't realize it's it has nothing to do with your external. It's all in your head.
0: Yeah. Hey, Marianne Hobson here, and I'm breaking in to tell you about my Genius Moms training i believe that many moms are living way below their potential they are constantly giving to other people and not allowing themselves to really see the good that they can give in the world when they take charge of becoming their best selves and so i am i train moms both on helping their families to grow and as we are doing here on this podcast but also if you find my genius moms page on facebook you can learn about future trainings that i will be talking about there so make sure you find us i have had to work with what's in my head over other things but for the food journey um it's kind of funny because I have a certain area of my body that annoys me. And I regularly will make comments, you know, if I could just get this area. And and my husband regularly asks me, um, Marion, are you doing that for your own well-being? Or are you you just just so you know, it's okay. I'm okay with that shape. And, and so it's always kind of a just a toss-turn because it, even though for me it, i don't think i stress over it i i don't i just kind of comment mm-hmm. on it his comments have caused me to be okay if i eat the ice cream and be okay if i uh, you know I, i'm not super super strict on the diet that i i like to follow a diet though because i actually just don't like to have to think about food mm-hmm. and 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 i've mentioned this in a couple other podcasts though because having a system means I know what I'm buying at the grocery store Mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, so for me, it reduces my stress. Yeah. But only with perspective that I can, I can go anywhere I want to. I'm just doing this to, to be systemized kind of thing.
1: Yeah. And, and at that point, it's not so much necessarily following a specific diet It's just, having a system that works for you. So for example, every afternoon, my midday snack is a protein bar and an apple. And it has nothing to do with someone else telling me that protein bars are the best thing that you can eat and you need to have a fruit every day. It's just because it is quite honestly the fastest snack I can have so that I can get back to work. And I know that it's there and it's easy. And so that's something that's really important is Women who, what I talk about in my program is the difference between a food rule and a food preference and mm-hmm. understanding where the intention comes. Are you doing it because you truly want to, because it makes you feel good? Or are you doing it because someone else told you that's what you should be doing?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Those are, those are good things to, to keep in mind. I like the, the, the wording of that. Mm-hmm. A, few, a food rule versus a few, food preference. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's so vital. I mean, and, and I guess I can say that because I, I have a preference to mm-hmm. eat these three meals that I have planned for mm-hmm. every day. But when Tommy asks me to go out to eat with him or something like that. I can, I can go with the flow too. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And the best way too that I tell my clients the best way to know if it's a food rule or food preference is, does it give you anxiety to do something different? Ooh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so when you say I'm able to go out to dinner, it doesn't throw me off. That's a food preference. But when I was struggling, if I had, you know, thought that I was going to stay home for dinner and then someone asked me to go out for dinner, I said no because mm-hmm. that wasn't in the plan, right? That mm-hmm. wasn't – I had already calculated how many calories I could have that day. And if I went out to the restaurant, who knew what would happen? So I would <sighs> say no. Yeah, that that is a tough way to live. Yeah. Wow.
0: So not everyone can go on a trip to – Italy. (laughs) And not everyone has goals and dreams, though. I bet a lot of people who are listening to this podcast have goals and dreams that they're holding back for some mental reason. Yeah. Um, What do you uh, suggest or how do you help people to start getting a perspective on their relationship with their bodies?
1: Yeah. So I would say number one is to evaluate what it is costing you right now to live and eat in the way that you do. Because what most people don't do is evaluate how much this is actually affecting their life. And when I ask my clients that and they make a list, that list can be two pages long. It's costing me my relationship with my husband because How can you ever be intimate or how can you ever have a nice date night when the entire time you're just thinking about how many calories are on your plate or you're already thinking about how much you're going to have to work out tomorrow to burn off that glass of wine? Can't Um, be present. Not at all. Can't be present with your kids right? How can you really be present with your kids when you're already feeling bad about the ice cream that you had with them? Or you're thinking about how you're going to have to run after they go to bed to make up for the piece of pizza you had at dinner. Um, It's costing people's careers because they don't want to put themselves out there. They have such low confidence and self-esteem I've worked with clients who have, after doing this work of healing, they've gone promotions at work. They've changed jobs. They've gotten in new relationships. They've bought a new house. They've gone after goals because they actually develop a sense of confidence and self-love in themselves that you don't have when your entire life is about shrinking your body. That mm-hmm. is that when that's your only goal, you cannot mm-hmm. possibly focus on any other goals of growing yourself.
0: You know, the, the, and that rings so true. Even though I haven't gone down this path and been on this journey, I for those things that I've had to really crush, I don't know, attack or reprogram. Reprogram, that's the word I'm looking for. Um, it, it, a lot of it does boil down to that same self-love do I love myself enough to make the shift that is going to have to be made yeah. to turn my life around and, and get the results that I actually want? Like, like you were saying, the result that they want is to be happy and confident. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and the re- when you can be willing to really make those huge shifts that yeah. you have to make, um, it it can be life-changing, but it all starts it, with self-love. It doesn't matter what. Do I love myself enough to actually put the effort into making
1: these changes? And it all starts with self-love, and it, it all starts with being willing to do something that makes you so uncomfortable because I won't pretend that going to Italy was comfortable. Even though it sounds amazing, <laughs> it was the scariest thing I've ever done. And I knew it would be. And even though people know that 95% of diets don't work, people are still holding on to the fact that they're going to be that 5%. -hmm. And when you actually finally come to term with the fact that what you're doing, even if you spent your entire life, you've dedicated your entire life to a flawed system, you have to make the decision, am I going to keep living that way just because I've already spent so much money, time and energy into it that I have to make it work? Or will I finally come to term with the fact that this is never going to work and I have to get uncomfortable? I have to do something different. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. And it, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me that if you're super, super stressed over it, you're going to have a harder time because just what I know about stress, the hormones related with stress it m- makes it harder to release calories and things like that, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, and and I I have this saying that I say, no amount of carbs, no amount of sugar, no f- specific food is as bad for your body as constantly stressing about what you're eating. Hmm, that's
0: that's awesome. So put put some perspective into us because or into our conversation because even those of us who don't have, you know, the same level of stresses that you're describing. Um, we live in this culture that does not talk
1: well Mm -hmm. about
0: body image and, um, does encourage hating our bodies and things like that. As you know, as parents, as friends, siblings, what can we do to counter that those stigmas?
1: for ourselves or for the people around us?
0: Either or. I was thinking more of the people around us, but both.
1: Yeah. Um, Okay. That's a really good question. And I'm trying to think of like where to start um, because it's such a huge problem. And one thing I would say a really good place to start is to evaluate your current relationship with food and your body, right? If you are currently eating in a certain way, what's the motivation there? Is the motivation to simply get healthier? Or is the motivation to shrink your body? And if the motivation is to shrink your body, and and you're doing it in a way that you don't realistically think you can maintain that for the rest of your life because that's the that's the thing we have such short-term thinking what can i do right now that's gonna make me feel better that's Mm -hmm. gonna make me feel in control think of the long term when you are 80 years old do you still want to be tracking your calories on my fitness pal do you still <laughs> want to be going to the restaurant and having to check that there's a keto option beforehand? Yeah. Do you still yeah. want it to be 8 p.m. starving, but you tell yourself that you can't eat because you're fasting. And so you'll just have to wait until tomorrow at noon, right? Think of, <laughs> think of the long term. Yeah. Because, yes, you might not feel the effects right now, but the long term implications – are so much worse for your body than eating a piece of bread. <laughs> so I would say evaluate your current relationship with food. Evaluate if it's a healthy one, if it's a positive one, if you're doing things from a place of self-care or from punishment and criticism and bullying yourself. My, and my, my. You're, you're causing me to think. <laughs> yeah, I and that's the thing. Most people don't really think about this stuff they think it's normal right um so i always say first step to change is awareness once you're aware of what needs to be changed then get some support some support some help um because i spent six to eight years trying to figure this out on my own um Mm -hmm. this isn't a problem that gets better on its own it's really something that gets worse because the cycle of dieting feeds itself it gets Mm -hmm. worse every time um so get help, get support. Um, it's, there's no shame in, in struggling with your relationship with food because I would say that 90, 90% of women in the world or maybe in the Western society have some kind of toxic or problematic relationship with food, but mm-hmm. no one talks about it because it's, like I said, it's normalized.
0: So how do we start that conversation? I, I mean I'm coming from a pr- perspective specifically. I mean, I could tell you because I have in other episodes already about my the the comments that my dad made that my therapist was like, I can't believe your dad said that. But mm-hmm. for me, I I just used it in a positive way. However, I more concerned with with my daughter because she did get into some phases where we felt like she was doing emotional eating. And um, how can you make comments or maybe not make comments, maybe like how can you be supportive of someone who may need to shift or may need to have some better perspectives um, in a like mindful way?
1: Yeah. I love that you brought up your daughter um, because I do work mostly with mothers. And the reason why they come to me is, I want to model a good relationship with food and my body for my daughters because they learn from what you what you do, not what you say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, number one um, is avoiding making comments about the way that someone eats um, because <laughs> that can be a huge trigger. I know for me, whether it was a good comment of "Wow, like you barely ate today," and I'd be like, "Yeah, pat on my back, I barely ate today." Or it's on the other side, Is oh, are you going for a second plate? And even if I was still hungry, I would doubt, oh, should I be going for a second plate? Like maybe I, and all that does is it disconnects you from the signals that your body is telling you. That's the mm. same way that mm. you would literally never tell your daughter, are you going to pee again? You just peed an hour ago, Right. We Hopefully don't, I we want don't it. <laughs> No, And, and we don't judge other people's bodily f- functions. We don't judge when people need to pee, when people need to sleep, when people need to breathe, but we're always like imposing ourselves on other people's way of eating. And all that does is it makes people feel a lot of shame and guilt and shame and guilt will cause more overeating, more emotional eating And so avoiding comments about the way that someone is eating and allowing them to really listen to their bodies without shame, without guilt. Um, And a really good place to start is the book Intuitive Eating. Um, Mm -hmm. I actually have it right here. It's an amazing book. um, And it talks about how to get back in touch with your body, how Mm -hmm. to ditch diet culture that teaches you to feel a lot of shame and guilt. And there's even a part at the end on how to raise intuitive eaters and how to model a positive relationship with food inside your house. So that's yeah. a, a, a good action step.
0: Uh, absolutely. And, and that it actually plays right into the, what I teach people is, is following your own intuition is the best way to live your life at all. Yeah. You know, because it is, it, it, there are so many things i i often talk about like traumas and issues with our lives can happen in the blink of an eye and damage us for years to come mm-hmm. if we are don't uncover them and work through them and get a proper perspective on them and it's so that that's so important like you're saying on on the flip side of that is we've also got to be aware of how we say it to other people.
1: Yeah. So which,
0: which, and if you want to comment on this, this would be great, but it was interesting in your description of going over to Italy and Spain and because the way you were saying that the way that they talk, it's just like whether people ate or not was not really the topic of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And, and that, Yeah, I can see, you know, just thinking of it that way, there are plenty of comments in my my family, in my, you know, culture, even though I don't think of it as a super hyper um, food body image criticism, there are a lot of those types of comments. So that's really good perspective and reminder for all of us.
1: Yeah, I have a a full training for my clients on how to handle diet and food talk, um, because Mm -hmm. what they notice when they start doing this work is, oh, my God, every conversation is around food and weight and Dying, and it's so it passes over our head when we don't even think about it because it's so normalized it is commonplace yeah, yeah. and for anyone who has a hard relationship with food it's a huge trigger
0: that, that's so yeah it, I, I will have to keep that in mind I mean in my family it was also um the food conversation was also tied very tightly to the poverty mindset Mm. That we yeah. we didn't want to. I mean, you said you have a big family, so I was careful about throwing this one out there. But I'm the ninth of ten, so oh wow, very big family. And my father um, n- had struggles with his career. Let's say it that way. So money really was tight until my mom got into her entrepreneurial efforts that started opening up the money. But there were times when don't eat too much really meant not just your body weight because it was there definitely part of the subject, but don't eat too much because we might run out kind of thing, yeah. you know? And so we have to really be mindful of all of the different ways we approach comments. And, yeah. that, and part of the reason I bring that up is because that's one of the first things that I thought about in t- my conversations with my children was, you know, I bought that expensive treat or whatever. And if you're going to eat it all, Nobody else gets gets the expensive treat, <laughs> but mm-hmm. but and and I didn't realize how much that could also play into their um, yeah. health and body image type
1: feelings. Well, that's too. that's the thing when it comes to food, our beliefs and our our behaviors around food stem from how we were raised, and mm-hmm. so we have to. I do such a huge deep dive into the psyche of my clients to help them uncover where their habits come from and so whenever people actually do the right work and then they compare it to some of the things that they've done like dieting that literally completely bypasses any kind of mindset work and just tells you eat this not that Hmm. they understand how silly it is that they ever thought that those those diets or those meal plans would ever solve their problems long-term.
0: Right. Sad, tough. Okay. So you've given me quite a lot to um, (laughs) exercise grace on (laughs) because that's one thing that I do believe that when we see something that we've done wrong or that we need to change 100% um, that could have affected other people is, Oh my goodness. We've got to have perspective that there is grace, that they might learn it in a different way or they might forgive me or change their mindset or they might find someone like Sabrina to help them completely turn their life around because I messed this one up. But So thank you um, for all of that because you've given a, a lot of ideas and things for me to ponder as well in my own relationship with food and I really appreciate it. So Sabrina, tell us, If we, um, if the listeners want to follow up with you and learn more
1: about you, where do they go? Uh, They can go to my website, which is SabrinaMagnon.com. And if they wanted to book a free discovery call where they can kind of understand a little bit more about their own food struggles, their own relationship with food, and get some advice, get kind of a roadmap moving forward on how they can start healing and what that would look like for them, because a lot of people you don't even know where to start, right? Like where mm-hmm. do I even get started? Uh they can book a free call with me at SabrinaMangel.com forward slash call.
0: Awesome. Cool. And we will have that in the show notes as well. So if you're looking for the spelling, because it's a little bit different than <laughs> it, it sounds unless you know French. Um, it, or if you want to just click a link, then look in the show notes for that. So, Serena, again, thanks so much for your time and sharing your wisdom with us. I do want to ask you the last um, question I ask everybody. Can you give us an exercise, something that our listeners can take action on and do right now to shift perspective, to help them move into greater prosperity with their health?
1: Yeah. Um, So I would say if anyone who's listening right now feels like they have an unhealthy relationship with food and maybe they have the one food that they feel like they can't control themselves around. um, Usually it's going to be a whole category of foods, sweets, carbs, whatever it is. Choose one that you are afraid of eating. You're afraid Mm. to keep in the house. You're afraid of, you know, losing control and binging Mm. and, set a time either today or tomorrow set 15 30 minutes of uninterrupted time where you're just going to sit down with that food no distractions no one else in in the room not at your couch not at, at your in your bed at a at a kitchen table and i want you to really just pay attention to that food and and eat that food slowly enjoy mm. every single bite Taste, I want you to be able to describe the smell, the taste, the texture, how, um, the flavor of it, the different, um, is it sweet? Is it salty? Is the first bite as good as the last one? Right? Like if you need, take out a piece of paper and take some notes. How do you feel? Are you, are you starting to get full? Right? And so take your time with that food, just that food and see how different your experience is going to be without guilt or shame allowing yourself to enjoy every single bite or maybe not enjoy cuz what some and people without speed i hear that too yeah slowing down and see how different that experience is going to be for you see mm-hmm. how you feel about that food see if you end up overeating it right and don't don't have the mindset of you're eating this food and you're never going to be able to eat it again Cause that's going to, te- that's going to make you overeat because you're going to be mm-hmm. so afraid of, I'm never going to have this food again. Right. Just mm-hmm. be present with your food and just try that experience and see how it goes. Wow. That's, that's my exercise. That is thought provoking. I'm like, okay, what can I try this with?
0: <laughs> I mean, the, there are certain foods that I know I tend to go to for emotional things, but the now you've got me curious. So I'm going to have to just think about that one and, and mm-hmm. try it out, um, and really enjoy it like you said really just revel in it and 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 so be present with i'll be doing it. Yeah. that. being present oh, that's yeah yeah being present you know we talk about relationships in so many different ways and one of my programs is called rich relationships and and we have relationships with food also so that's a hundred percent Be present have a good relationship with that one thing thank you mm-hmm. so much that sounds like a great exercise i'll have to try out So uh, thank you, Glenn, and we hope to have you again soon. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Marianne Hobson, and I invite you to subscribe, like, comment, and most importantly, share what you've learned with someone you know. The best way to lock it in is to teach someone else. So make sure that you share what you've learned, take action, on an exercise or something that you heard today and come back to let us know how it's benefited your life and your family. Looking forward to hearing from you soon.